All right, so good to be with you. So good to be able to share this time together. I want you to be blessed and strengthened. You know, we're going to return again to breakthrough and specifically the Older Testament example of that exceptional man in the book of Genesis, Joseph. And we're going to learn from his life a bit and watch because I think it's something that we're all aware of and we're all believing for. We want breakthrough. I mean, at a national level, we really want breakthrough. I mean, you know, the pandemic has been relentless. And though we feel there's been real progress, it just sometimes seems like it's been going so slow. And then for our church, we want breakthrough too, because, you know, we've made this journey together now for months. But, um, you know, we, we have to wrestle with these limitations and we're looking forward to the changes that are going to allow us to come together in different expressions of community, not just the ones online. And so, you know, that's something we're believing for. That breakthrough is something we are believing for. And then I, and I thought, well, even, even just as true, though, a lot of us, we need breakthrough still at a personal level, don't we? You know, whether it's relating to our our own walk with the Lord, I'll call that our spiritual growth, or perhaps just our emotional well-being, like we're not, we're not thinking great, or we just need to be a little bit um, better than we've been. Because it's been hard. It's been a hard time. It's been a hard season. There's been so many things that have been happening, and it just, it can just take the life out of you. You know, we're all different dispositionally. We all have different ways in which we, um, you know, get replenished and different things that break us down. So, you know, breakthrough is going to be very important at this time. And it's something that doesn't just happen. It's something we have to contend for. And that's even true in relationships as well. And so, you know, maybe a lot of us have relational challenges that we're having to work through. And that's where the breakthrough that we're believing for is going to need to really come. And I'm reminded of this, that um, one thing I know for sure is that God's will for each of us, for you and me, is that he wants us blessed. He wants us to grow. He wants us to develop and he wants us to progress. One of the verses that came to mind as I was thinking about all of you and us was the one in Jeremiah 29, verse 11. You, many of you know it. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Now, that's a great promise. Now, you know what? The stubborn truth connected to following the Lord. You know what it is? We're never without hope. That's right. In this life or the next, love wins and God prevails and his goodness prevails. And that should encourage all of us. That should fill us with courage, right? And strength. Not just to not quit when things are hard, Though I know we will be at times tempted to do so. Uh, 
And quitting, quitting can show up in a lot of different ways. Sometimes it's just giving up and not trying anymore, uh, being defined by the adversity. But God, as many of us have been just being reminded of consistently, God wants us to know how to grow through our adversity. He wants us to teach us how to stay nimble and resilient and, and optimistic. So, Lord, even now, I just, you know, I ask that you would help us to do that. And we just pray over this word. We ask that you would let this word be alive in us, for us. Help us, Lord, in the place where we need it most. You know what that is. But we welcome you even now in Jesus' name. Once again, Joseph is this beautiful example of, of how to be an overcomer, how to go up and over, how to be resilient, all the things that we talked about. And he's, he's a model for breakthrough, especially around relationships. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. But remember what we were told in Romans 15, because some might say, well, why are we going back to the Old Testament again and the example of Joseph? But look what we were reminded of. For whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction. Notice this. That through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have what? Hope. How good is that? May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. And look at that fifth verse one more time. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another. I mean, I don't think I ever quite read this in the connection. I mean, I, I know I've read verses four and five in Romans 15 together, but it was something about the way I read it this time that it struck me. And I don't know if it hit you in the same way, but that, that phrase, the one at the, at the end of that fifth verse, the idea of being in such harmony with one another, you know, it just stood out to me this time around. And really what that was saying was that the examples of the Older Testament, that's the scripture that was being referred to here, and I think it does apply to the New Testament, but its direct context in Romans 15 has to do with the Older Testament, which is why I think looking at an example like Joseph is, you know, so apropos. But one of the things that that is mentioning in that fifth verse, though, if you saw it there, is that a lot of this has to do with relationships. Notice what he says, that you might, these examples are given us for hope and for encouragement, but also that you may live in harmony with one another. So, you know, this is the people part of life that he's getting into. He's saying the examples that we've been given in the scriptures are also designed to help us love one another better so that we can, you know, engage people in more redemptive ways that we can, we can grow in our relational capacity because, you know, and th this is the way it is. I mean, there are going to be people who we love and there are going to be people who love us and that's going to apply here, you know, and we're going to have people who we hurt and there are going to be people who hurt us and there are going to be times when we need to forgive and there's going to be times when we need to be forgiven. I mean, so much of, of the scripture is connected to how we learn to treat one another and love one another better. And relationships are complicated. They're not easy. Uh, you know, uh, I can tell you being married as, as long as my wife and I have that it's not always easy. You know, you have to 
You have to work through things together. You have to make a covenant together. You have to choose to love one another through the ups and downs, the thick and thin of life. And, you know, that all, all friendships, all good, good relationships are going to be tested from time to time. And I love the fact that the scripture is, is reminding us that, you know, it's not only given for the purpose of helping us and encouraging us to endure the hard parts of life, but it's also given to us to help us in our relationships, right? And, you know, so that we might respond in a way that is in alignment with Christ. That's what, that's what that verse is really getting at. That our relational operating system would essentially be in accord with Christ Jesus. And so this next section of the life of Joseph that we're about to look at in the coming weeks. And then a little bit further beyond that after Easter is, is something that I think is designed to invite us into understanding that anytime the Lord is, works in our lives, it's going to also ha have a connection with, with other people. And, um, in this particular focus that we're going to look at, you're going to see a lot of breakthrough around, uh, relational healing. So let's do a quick reset here. Uh, Genesis 41, verse 41. I'm going to read through this, reset it. I think it's important. So work with me here, you guys. Okay. Pharaoh said to Joseph, Genesis 41, verse 41. See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. And the Pharaoh took his signet ring from his hand and he put it on Joseph's hand and he clothed him in garments of fine linen and he put a gold chain about his neck and he made him ride in his second chariot. And they called out before him, bow the knee. Thus he set him over all the land of Egypt. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh. And without your consent, no one shall lift up a hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name. He gave him a new name, Zaphoneth Paneah. And he gave him in marriage, Asenath, the daughter of Potiphera, the priest of On. So Joseph went over the land of Egypt. He went out over the entire land and we're told in verse 46, Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went through all the land of Egypt. So this remarkable <laughs> rise to power that is being described here in Genesis 41 was actually something that was summed up in another part of the Old Testament. The book of Psalms, the Psalm 105 captures the essence of Joseph's life. It literally consolidates it down into a concentrated expression. Look what it says, Psalm 105, verse 16. I love how the Bible will do this. It interfaces with different parts. And so, you know, there's such a, a reward when you can follow different parts of the scripture and see them all tie together. Psalm 105, verse 16, when he, that is the Lord, summoned a famine on the land and broke all the supply of bread that he sent a man ahead of them, Joseph, there it is, who was sold as a slave. His feet were hurt with fetters. His neck was put in a collar of iron until what he had said came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. The king sent and released him. The ruler of the people set him free. That was what we just read about earlier. And he made him the Lord of his house, the ruler of all his possessions, to bind his princes at his pleasure and to teach his elders wisdom. What a fascinating thing to consider is that, you know, up to this point, this point in Joseph's life, when at the age of 30, he, you know, is now lifted up into a place of, of exceptional 
you know, power and authority. I mean, no one could have envisioned that happening. It, it, it's, it was beyond anything that, that seemed conceivable. But, you know, you go, oh, wow, he's 30 years old and, and he's you know, the second most powerful man in one of the most powerful kingdoms in the entire world at the time. And we would go, oh my, wow, 30. But I think we forget how much relational trauma he had endured and how much pain in his life. But I was thinking specifically about the relational trauma that he had to deal with. Uh, in that period of his life, the early stage of his adult life, you know, coming out of his teen years through his 20s, uh, you know, it's amazing because people kept hurting him and letting him down. I mean, first his brothers, right? So jealous, so angry. You know, they, they attacked him. They abused him. They beat him mercilessly. And then they callously sold him off as a slave to a caravan that was making its way to Egypt. And that's when he was put in chains, the chains that is being referred to in Psalm 105, the, the iron collar on his neck. So he was hurt by his brothers. It was incredible pain, family pain from people who should have loved him. They despised him. And then, you know, that wound, the scar it left on him. You know, we're going to get into that later. But then Potiphar, the man who had bought him, the one who he had served so faithfully and, and capably refusing to, you know, submit to the advances of, of, of Potiphar's wife. And because of that, he was rewarded <laughs> with a lifetime prison sentence, a scapegoat of Potiphar's shame. That's what he was. And then, of course, even in the prison, the butler who he had helped, the man whose dream he had interpreted. And the only thing he had asked of him, if you recall, was that he would, he would just remember him. Right? That was the only, he says, what can I do for you? you know, just remember me when this comes to pass, basically. But alas, he was forgotten. His good unreturned. He was let down again. Now, I summarized three big, difficult things in the life of Joseph. And, you know, we might go, oh, you know, it's just real quick. Just, you know, yeah, this happened, this happened, this happened. We forget that in the moment, he had no idea where things were going. And the pain of what he had to walk through relationally. I mean, it really was. I mean, one of these things could have been enough to make someone negative and bitter, but you start piling up disappointment. You start piling up uh, being hurt by people who you give your best to and for. Uh, that's, that's just, it, it would take an incredible toll. And, you know, it would have been easy, so easy for him to become callous and negative and just embittered with life. I could have very easily heard Joseph saying something like, people, people are the problem. Yeah, they always let you down. That's what happens. I trust no one, right? Or he could have said something like, uh, as for God, <laughs> there's, there's, and many people throughout history have been cynical when things have gone incredibly wrong or in the face of the ugliness of humanity and the brokenness and the devastation of it. 
It would have been so easy for Joseph to just go, there is no reward for doing things God's way. No. Why? Why even bother serving him? You know, but that is not what Joseph did, was it? I mean, what characterized Joseph, and one of the things that stands out so beautifully about the man and why he is such an example for us, is that he retained his, his trust base, didn't he? he? He retained his trust base. He refused to be defined by his disappointment. He refused to become embittered. Instead, he did excellent work. And, 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 and the other part of this is the way he treated people. You would think by the way he was treated, he would treat others with far uh, less compassion. But one of the things that we note about Joseph and it's a consistency about the man, is that there was an essential kindness and empathy in the way in which he engaged people. And it became a part of who he was. And I, I you know, for someone who walked through so much difficulty and disappointment to have such a, a, an ability to bless and give and love, and, and here is, is something that is worth noting. It really is. Has, and it's a good example for you and me. It, it speaks. It really does. It still speaks. After the centuries, his example still speaks. But I want, I want to go back. Look, look what he says. Let's read again what happened during the seven years of abundance. It says, Joseph was 30 years old. This is verse 46. When he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went through all the land of Egypt. And during the seven plentiful years, the earth produced abundantly. And he gathered up all the food of these seven years, which occurred in the land of Egypt. And he put the food in the cities and he put in every city the food from the fields around it. And Joseph stored up grain in great abundance, like the sand of the sea, until he ceased to measure it, for it could not be measured. That's how much it was. And before the year of famine came, notice, two sons were born to Joseph. Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On, bore them to him. And Joseph called the name of the firstborn. His name shall be Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my hardship and, and, and all my father's house. What he meant by that was the pain of my past. And the name of the second he called Ephraim. Yes, his name will be Ephraim. For God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. I love that. God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. The Lord can do that. Ah, may it be so, Lord. May it be so. Perhaps some of us feel hopeless in the land of affliction, but God says we can be fruitful in the land of affliction. Now, the two names that Joseph gave his sons are clues to breakthrough, right? I mean, Manasseh means God has made me forgetful. Ephraim means God has made me fruitful. As for the first, it's great to remind ourselves that some breakthrough, and hear me out, loved ones, but some breakthrough is going to be connected to coming to peace or at least being released from the grip of our painful past and surrendering it to 
um, the Lord to a greater love. You know, I, I got me thinking as I was, and I'm, and I'm by no means even remotely comparing, uh, some of the hardship in my life to anything that Joseph had to endure. Uh, and I realized that people are suffering all over the world, both indignities and, and pain and rejection and hurt and injustice in ways that I'll never, ever be able to fully relate to. Um, I mean, we are blessed to live in America, and I am blessed. We are all more blessed than we, we probably um, realize. But, you know, I was sitting with what Joseph said about the pain of his past, and it was part of his journey with God that he felt released from it. You know, and, I, and it got me thinking as I traveled back into my life. And that's good to do every now and then when you're reading the scriptures. But I found myself drifting back to my early years with my father. And I don't talk about it a lot, but I talk about it every now and then. Not, I'm not talking about my grandfather. My grandfather was the founding pastor, at least on my dad's side, was the founding pastor of the church uh, that ultimately becomes Cornerstone, where I've pastored here for uh, all these years. But I remember my father, um, I call him the man I never really fully understood. And we didn't have a great relationship. In fact, he died years ago. And um, he did make peace with the Lord. And, um, you know, for that, I am very grateful. And I uh, was glad to be able to have us at least share that. Um, but I can also say that my memories, which, I mean, they're not a lot, you know. Um, they're mostly sad, the ones that I still have. They're, they're not great ones. I have a few, but most of them that relate to my dad, because it was really just about the first decade of my life and just a little bit more that I spent with him. Um, before, um, we, we, you know, our family, he, my mom and dad split apart. And uh, my world changed dramatically at that point. But that's a whole other story. The thing is, whenever I look back, as the years went by, uh, I came to understand what a wounded man my father was, that he was a wounded man in pain. And he was hurt in ways I never fully understood. Um, I found myself uh, a couple of months ago uh, leafing through some old photographs that were in a, in a, in a box that my grandmother had stored. Um, my grandmother, Eleanor, who's since gone to be with Jesus, was his mother and my pastor grandfather's wife. And, and um, I was looking at some of the pictures and I saw my dad and I, I saw when he was a boy and I saw when he was in the Navy and... I uh, saw early pictures of him with my my family and, and and you know me and my brother Bobby and it, it, I was walking backwards in time and I just didn't have a lot of I didn't have a lot of great memories with him you know I had a few and I think we understand though that um, hurt people at least I've come to understand this hurt people hurt people and you know he he hurt me as a boy. And my most dominant memories of, of my childhood with him are, are not good. Uh, in fact, what stands out is sometimes the, the, the damage. And I will say the, un, I, don't, I don't think it was intentional, but the unintentional damage that he inflicted with his temper and his, and his inability to, ex, 
express love. And I know he had love. I, I assume he had it, but his wound was, was too hard to bear, whatever it really was. And it created a hole inside of him that was hard to feel, fill. And I can't say I have one memory of him ever looking into my eyes and saying, I love you, son. I, I have no memory of it. I'm not sure those words were ever uttered. Um, but I, I do recall a time in my teen years when I was touched by the Lord. And I don't know why I'm sharing all of this with you right now. I just, maybe, maybe it's meant for somebody. But I remember in my teen years when I was touched by the Lord and I felt God's goodness in a, in a very profound and powerful way. It, you know, I felt his presence in, in such a way that it altered my life. It changed my life forever. It altered the entire trajectory of my life, set me on a course. And it's the reason actually that I'm sharing with you right now because of what happened in those early years. And, you know, I was given a blessing and, and an assurance of God's love. And I came to know Jesus as my savior, the good shepherd of my life. And on top of that, being in church, uh, I was given the gift of supportive community and it allowed me to, it allowed me to, to, to not only just not only grow as a follower of Jesus, but also to let go of the pain of my childhood. Cause the truth is I forgave, uh, I forgave my dad in my heart and my hostility died that I can say now. I can't say we were ever close. That would be a misrepresentation. There was no fairy tale ending. You know, a lot of times stories that have to do with the Lord, they have a great ending. Um, mine had a good ending. It was a good ending um, because he's going to be with Jesus. But, you know, but I can say that because of Jesus in my heart, I, I held no malice. And as he left this world and, and then, you know, I remember doing his funeral, though no tear filled my eye. It was easy to pray a blessing over him. And I believe by God's grace, because he affirmed his faith in Jesus, I will see him again. And I believe that we will both be better versions of ourselves when I see him again. That's a promise I hold. But if I can reconnect this to Joseph and thank you for listening to me. Uh, indulge you with some of my story. But because God had given me Manasseh, that is, he, he made me forget. Not forget in the sense of no memory, right? I'm talking about the pain of, of, and, and, and the anger that I had. But in the sense that I was no longer defined or bound by it. And more, more, that it was, I was swallowed up by the grace and goodness of God. And, and so that, that's what I mean, right? He, <laughs> I look at that and I go, wow, you know, that's what the Lord can do for all of us. That's what Joseph was saying God did for him. <laughs> that's why he called his firstborn son, right? He called him Manasseh because God has made me forget the pain of my past. Basically, you know, it, it's not, it's not, it doesn't have a grip on me anymore, you know? And so I'm going to ask some of you, is this a season of Manasseh for you? Is it a season when 
the Lord wants to birth a freedom from some of the pain or some of the bondage or some of the things that have held us back, the hurts, the wounds, the anger. Season of Manasseh. And then I thought, oh, Joseph's second son, Ephraim. <laughs> wow, I love that name even better, I guess, because he says, God has made me fruitful. That is, he has caused me to prosper. He has lifted up my head and he has blessed me. And so, you know, for some of us, this is going to be a season of letting go, of letting go of the pain. And I always love the season, the weeks leading into to Easter. I think it's a time where we get to embrace the cross and embrace the hope of Christ and all the promise that is connected to his presence. But, you know, some of us, it's about letting go of our pain. So it's a season of Manasseh. And for others of us, it's a season of Ephraim. It's a season of God uh, creating fruitfulness in our life at a new dimension. It's about new things and new possibilities. It's about blessing and growth and and increase, right? And, uh, you know, those are usually the two directions of breakthrough. I, I, think, I think Joseph captured it perfectly, especially as it relates to re- relational breakthrough or just things that have to do with wounds, the hurts of life, that some of the breakthrough that God brings is Manasseh. It's about, it's about getting free of the past that would bind us. And then a lot of times the breakthrough that God is bringing is, is about the breakthrough that he wants to move us into new dimensions of, of blessing and expansion and an increased capacity to bless and pass down generational blessing. Right. I mean, that's what God does in our lives. You know, getting freed from something, a limitation, a, compi- a confinement, a, a, you know, an impact of a wound and then pushing forward into a new good thing, a place of expansion and opportunity, green fields and pastures anew. I love that season of Ephraim, new things ahead. Both are blessings from above. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know what the Lord is speaking to us specifically. I just think he wants to have us come to him with an honest heart. And when we do that, I really believe breakthrough is inevitable. Some of us, it's not about letting go of things. It's about reaching forward to new things. For others of us, it is about that. It's about letting his healing grace flow over us. Grace like rain flow over us. So, you know, strength to let go and to let God have his way. Ah, okay. Look, in a few minutes, uh, actually we have a song. And then I'm going to come back around on that and share a, a closing thought on what we've been sharing. I do want to remind all of you, and you've been amazing, by the way. What a church. But um, let's be faithful unto the Lord in our giving as you have been. You can give, like I say, I'm just reminding you online, yes. Uh, through your app, it's what I do, or you can just send it in. That's the traditional way, but either way. And like I love to say, before we ever give, give him your heart, pray over that, you know, every now and then send it out of a loving heart. Uh Okay. So Lord, we just uh, enjoy this moment with you in song and we'll come back around. Here we go. I don't like to admit when I'm wrong and need gifts of forgiveness instead of applause. I was dying to prove to myself I could make it alone. It took years to confess that your love was the best of unraveling all of my pride. Had to laugh at myself when I realized you were my home. 
strength to let go. Ah, Lord, that's what we need. And when we surrender to him, then he gives us the ability to grow, right? That's what I want. 
I want to let go of the things that the Lord is calling me to let go of that are holding me back. Submit them to him, submerge them into his healing. May the Lord do that in your life. Patterns of the past, things that would bind us or remind us that we don't measure up. Leave those things with him. Ah, Lord, we open our lives to you. And then we would ask that you would create fruitfulness and abundance. You know what? We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. We were born in the Lord to bless. Born to bless, that's what we are. And it's hard to bless if we're not, if we're not actually better. That's why God wants us to get better, <laughs> right? People who are getting better are blessers. And when we bless, we get better. So the two things go together. The Lord's goodness, may it prevail over your life. He's so good, he's so God, and he wants us to what? So good and so God. And I think we do that when we understand how deeply loved we really are. That even when we fail him, he doesn't fail us. What a Lord. Oh, what a Lord. You know how loved we are? May he keep you in your spirit, in your soul, and in your body in every way, in Jesus' name.